Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Good, bad, crazy martinis for conservatives today. And Jim, Republicans, of course, are taking heat. They're the enemies of democracy. They're fans of voter suppression. Obviously, they're racist because they don't want to go for the Democratic version of election reform. Uh, Yesterday in the Senate, as completely expected, it was a 50 to 50 split on whether to open debate on the Democratic version of election reform, which had no Republican input whatsoever. Uh, Joe Manchin uh, wants to make some changes to it, so he decided to vote in favor of opening the debate. And, uh, well, they needed 60 to do that, and they only got 50, so it's not going to happen. And that's not going to happen at all in this Senate. And so, of course, the pejoratives are are being thrown around. But, Jim, we're happy about this for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, this is a total federalization of uh, the election process. If you look at this bill, it's uh, from stem to stern, very detailed about the federal government being in charge of it. Uh, It it mandates how many days states have to have early voting. Uh, You can't ban curbside voting. I have no problem with curbside voting, but it should probably be up to the states. Uh, It also allows for public financing of viable candidates not just presidential candidates, but also uh, any federal candidate, as long as they are, are, are deemed viable. So your tax dollars will be going to people you don't want to take office if this goes through. And one of my personal favorites, Jim, requires chief state election officials to automatically register to vote any eligible unregistered citizens uh, while protecting from prosecution ineligible voters mistakenly registered. So this all in addition to the uh, voter ID issues, which uh, Joe Manchin, I guess, has gotten most Democrats to uh, do the 180 on. So we'll see how long this blowback lasts, but uh, Republicans seem pretty confident. Mitch McConnell says he has uh, certainly no qualms of, of blocking this legislation. So good job, Republicans. Greg, when you see the opponents of a bill speaking more specifically about what it would do than the supporters. That's a sign that somebody's (laughs) trying to hoodwink you. That's a sign that something is going on that the supporters don't want to talk about. They really love this generic happy title that they have. But once you get actually into the nitty gritty of the legislative language, the vaguer their language gets, the more you should be suspicious of this sort of thing. It's it's in the New York Times characterizes it today that seething progressive activists pointed to the Republicans refusal to even allow debate on the issue. But Greg, like this is the exact same thing they did in the policing bill with Tim Scott last year. Right. Did, did we did we say characterize the, the filibuster is the filibuster, whichever party is doing it. You know, you know, do we hear anything about, you know, uh, uh, you know, were Democrats' refusal to even allow debate on the issue of police reform? I don't remember that. I don't, don't remember being characterized that. But anyway, they're saying they're going to have to make a move to eliminate the rule. And then, you know, liberal activists are promising this huge summertime blitz, home state rallies and million dollar ad campaigns to ramp up the pressure on Manchin and, and cinema and the rest. I don't know about you, Greg. I, I'm kind of straight. If, if there was going to be a big backlash against Republicans for opposing this legislation, don't you think Lisa Murkowski or Susan Collins or somebody else would have gotten nervous? If, if it really was uh, genuinely good legislation and that it was only the most, you know, uh, partisan, you know, malevolent figure in the world, don't you think the Mitt Romney's or Rob Portman's or Pat Toomey's might have said, yeah, okay, I can go with this. 
the fact that they didn't, the fact that all 50 Republicans stayed unified on this, is kind of an indicating kind of, though this isn't as cut and dried as Democrats want. And the fact that none of them even hinted that they were going to knuckle under from this pressure from progressive activists suggests that they're not all that worried. Now, guys like Toomey and Portman aren't running for re-election, and somebody like Romney is going to be uh, excellent odds of being safely re-elected in a state like Utah for a long time. But, uh, you know, Mark Kelly's up in two years. He, he doesn't seem all that nervous about this. He hasn't signed on to eliminating the filibuster. Um, Manchin, we've discussed in past podcasts. He's the only guy, the only Democrat who could be elected in West Virginia. He's not afraid of these guys. And so it's kind of this a great deal of impotent rage uh, of progressive activists. And Greg, you know, there are one of two ways you can just make me, a couple of ways you can make me happy. Impotent rage of progressive activists. That's that's way to do it in like four four words right there. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, I think it also goes to the idea of uh, conservatives versus uh, big government uh, folks. Could be Republicans or Democrats, honestly, but mostly on the left, where they think that if it's going to happen and it's going to happen the right way, it's got to come from Washington. I don't know mm. what they see from the federal government that makes them think that's going to be better if Washington organizes these things. We have 50 states. There's a reason we have 50 states. And uh, we want things to be done as much as possible at the local and state level. Libs do not see it that way. They think they found a winning formula with some of the ways that uh, election laws were adjusted to uh, accommodate the pandemic voting and so forth. And so they, they think it's obviously to their advantage if they do this. If they thought that it was to everyone's advantage, they would have allowed some Republican buy-in on this. But they don't because they think uh, ultimately, you know, the bigger it comes from Washington, the better it's going to be, particularly if they're the ones in charge. Yeah, any one of these reforms could be enacted at the state level. And if you think, you know, if, if you're a liberal progressive Democrat and you think it should be enacted by your state, go out and talk to your state legislators. Go ahead and do this. If you want to have a certain number of days for early voting, if you want to make sure that there's drop drop boxes uh, uh, available in as many places as possible, fine. Go, nobody, say, nobody in Washington on the Republican side is saying you can't do this. They're saying, you know, this should be left up to your state legislatures. We trust the states to run their own uh, elections. For all of the claims of Democrats that this is a terrible, you know, democracy is hanging by a thread, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, Joe Biden still won the presidential election. Uh, you know, like there, there, nobody can really point to any example of uh, wholesale voter suppression or anything like that. In fact, we had one of the highest turnouts in, in many decades in 2020. That would be a kind of a clear indicator that there is no grand crisis of people having their votes suppressed. Now, that having been said, Greg, I think Republican senators cannot sit back and relax after this fight. But if they're going to sit back and relax, they probably should use an X chair. You like what I did there? Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So X chairs is our new sponsor here. And it just arrived uh, when they said, hey, uh, we want you guys to have to uh, we want to sponsor the three martini lunch. Will uh, Jim, Greg, which one do you do you want it? I metaphorically elbowed Greg out of the way. <laughs> and there's, there's a couple of besides the fact that it's an exceptionally high quality product. I've been thinking about this. You know, if you're there's another old saying, you know, oh, you shouldn't skimp on your mattress or on your bedding because you spend one third of your life sleeping. Well, if you work at a desk and there's probably a good chunk of our listeners out there who, you know, you work in an office or maybe you've been working from home lately. Um, you, you, you know, where you're spending that time is going to have a lot of effect on your back, on your shoulders, on your tush, on your uh, your, your neck. There, there's all kinds of and if you're going like. Chances are, maybe you can try to get a standing desk, maybe you can try to get all this stuff, but there's really no way to avoid the fact. You're gonna have to spend a lot of time sitting. And you, uh, you're going to want, in that case, your, your desk chair is not something you want to skimp on. 
Uh, this is if you've ever had to go to a, you know, we, we haven't been involved in business travel as much as we used to, but if you've ever had to like, oh my, I can't work at my usual desk, I got to work at the kitchen table, and suddenly you're spending a lot of time working and not, you know, your usual chair, not your usual position, you feel it real quick, and all of a sudden you can have a sore back the next day. So trust me, this is an area in which it's worth spending the money. The X chair is the best chair that you can find. And let me say, it's not just because it sounds like something Professor X would be sitting in from the X-Men or something. I've never had an office chair that looks or feels so amazing. It is exceptionally comfortable. You can sit for hours, never feel uncomfortable. And I guess what makes it work so well is they have a patented dynamic variable lumbar support, which is an incredible lumbar support for the lower back, but also thanks to their XHMT technology, you can get heat and massage therapy while you're sitting at your desk. Now, can your current office chair do that? I see extremely unlikely. So instead of the old uncomfortable office chair, now you can look forward to spending hours sitting in your ultimate therapeutic massager while you work. The XHMT delivers heat and massage technology right to your core, helping to increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy. All perks that make working from home or the office a joy. It even has four different massage modes and fast warming heat technology for therapy when you're sore. You will not believe the X chair difference until you actually feel it for yourself. So trust us, this is a luxury supercar of office chairs. An X chair is on sale now for $100 off. Go to xchairmartini.com now. That's the letter X, chair, M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com or call one 844 4 Chair. X Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 per month. Go to xchairmartini.com now and use the code XWheels for free X-Wheel blade casters. Again, the website, xchairmartini.com. You know, Jim, I was just thinking yesterday we were talking about the uh, the whiplash that the, the Democrats were doing on voter IDs so they could get Joe Manchin on board and then blame Republicans for not passing this uh, election reform bill. How'd you like to be Rob Manfred of Major League Baseball who got sucked into this? The Georgia uh, voting reforms down there are racist and voter suppression. And because uh, we insist on voter ID, it's 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 Jim Crow 2.0 and we've got to move the all-star game. And now <laughs> a few months later, the Democrats are like, yeah, never mind. Well, wait, wait, so wait, wait, which city ended up getting the All-Star game? Denver. Denver. Man, huge win for Denver. They timed it perfectly. <laughs> yes, exactly right. All right. Well, as the uh, fight between federal and local control goes on in the United States, uh, it seems to be pretty much over, over in Hong Kong. Much more serious situation there. But this is from the AP. Hong Kong's sole remaining pro-democracy newspaper will publish its last edition Thursday, forced to shut down after five editors and executives were arrested and millions of dollars in its assets were frozen as part of China's increasing crackdown on dissent in the semi-autonomous city. I'm not sure we can use semi-autonomous there anymore. Uh, The board of directors of Apple Daily parent company Next Media said in a statement Wednesday that the print and online editions will cease due to, quote, the current circumstances prevailing in Hong Kong, unquote. Back to the AP, the silencing of a prominent pro-democracy voice is the latest sign of China's determination to exert greater control over the city long known for its freedoms after huge anti-government protests there in 2019 shook the government. So, Jim, you know, we, we rail on LeBron James, and rightly so, and a lot of the NBA figures who somehow couldn't find their tongues when it came to freedoms in Hong Kong. But honestly, uh, 
past administration, current administration, pretty much uh, radio silence as uh, China absolutely smothers the freedoms in Hong Kong. And we got plenty of other things to condemn China for, whether it's, you know, the, the Wuhan lab leak and its cover up for that, the, uh, the, the prison camps and the concentration camps for Uyghurs. And yet on the world stage, there's not that much criticism. So they're just getting away with it. Greg, if you if you pay attention to China, which increasingly more and more is like impossible not to do, it has become uh, not only the preeminent pressing issue on the globe's uh, on the the world stage. Various aspects of it have begun to have extraordinary influence over American life on everything, as you mentioned, from the NBA to uh, how Hollywood makes movies and markets its movies to obviously the COVID nineteen pandemic. And one of the things that's been uh, fascinating, I remember, I think it was the New York Times. Uh, had this this phenomenon, this this phrase they called flooding the zone. And then for a while, under one of the editors, they said like when a big story came along, they were not going to try to focus on covering all kinds of different issues. That when a big story came along, they were going to try to they said flood the zone with as many reporters as possible, as many angles as possible, and they would be known for the, the build their reputation on having the most in depth coverage of a particular event. And you can argue about whether that's good, but one of the things that's been kind of fascinating is you see the way China behaves. It is flooding the zone in terms of its uh, aggressiveness, in terms of its uh, efforts to maximize its leverage over other institutions, because you haven't heard nearly as much about Hong Kong in the past year as you ordinarily would because of the COVID-19 pandemic, which is a major issue with the U.S. and China as is, the uh, genocide of the Uyghurs. Um, and then you can throw in everything from intellectual property theft to the militarization of those shoals in the South China Sea to their aggression against Taiwan. I mean, it just it stacks up and it's happening on almost every particular front. So each individual problem gets less attention. And this is a really glaring one. Uh, Hong Kong, when it was taken over by China, was supposed to remain a relatively free institution bit by bit. They have you know, basically even before the pandemic, I guess, starting in about early 2019. Um, it's become even clearer and you know the, the brutal police crackdown and all of that stuff the the shutting down of this newspaper really does feel like another turning point in this uh the, you you living in hong kong you are no more free than you are in the rest of china uh which is an egregious turn of events there's very little sign uh this is getting that much attention outside of the usual you know free speech activists we can't exactly be shocked by this but um frustrating, you know, uh, disappointing, depressing, and an indicator that, uh, you know, that the internal dissent in China uh, has a very grim outlook. And I don't, you know, there's a very, it's, it's unclear how much ability those of us outside China have in our ability to mitigate this authoritarianism coming from Beijing. Yeah, I don't know how much we can do about it, but we could at least say something about it. I mean, it's been very tepid on any of these fronts. I mean, Pick your outrage and, and go for it. I mean, it's not like there's a, a shortage of material, but this one is obviously very chilling. And given the tepid response, I think there were some sanctions, maybe the Australians and, and maybe somebody else uh, put on, but I don't think they had a tremendous uh, amount of teeth. I mean, if you are in Taiwan right now and you see this global reaction or lack of it to Hong Kong, you can't be feeling real good right now. No, you can't. <laughs> you, you can't rest easy. No, you can't. We're talking all about comfort today. It's not just the chair. It's also the pillows. Because as Jim mentioned very helpfully earlier uh, in our podcast today, 
you spend, or at least you should, spend a third of your life sleeping, and you want to be absolutely comfortable. And uh, in addition, of course, to the mattress, you definitely want a comfortable pillow, and that's where my pillow comes in. It's their signature product, obviously. It's right there in the title of the company, and uh, it's a fabulous product. I've been using it for years. Uh, there's no pillow I've used since I've started using the my pillow that uh, that stacks up at all. Uh, the my pillow is clearly superior for the head, the shoulders, the neck, uh, all the way around. And now you can refresh the pillows in every room of your house because the premium my pillow is at its lowest price ever right now the current offer is that for a limited time you can get a queen size premium my pillow for only 29 dollars and 98 cents and a king size pillow is just five dollars more now these premium pillows will never go flat they will give you the best night's sleep every night they're made right here in the United States, and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. So go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener's square, enter the promo code MARTINI, or use it when you call 800-874-0104. Now, while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets and the new My Slippers. Get your premium My Pillow today for only $29.98, but only with our promo code Martini. So call 800-874-0104 or visit mypillow.com today. All right, Jim. Yesterday was election day in New York City and I believe elsewhere in the state. And the big question though was who is going to end the disastrous 8 years of Bill de Blasio as mayor of New York City. He can't run again, thankfully. But we had uh, six uh, candidates uh, on the ballot for the Democrats. By the way, Curtis Sliwa, who many people know, will be the Republican nominee, but he's a severe underdog. Uh, Eric Adams ended up being the top vote-getter, but we don't have an actual winner yet. He was uh, just under 32%. Maya Wiley at 223 Catherine Garcia, 19.5%. Probably the biggest surprise of the night is how poorly Andrew Yang did, just 11 Uh, That's all with 84% of the precincts reporting. But here's the rub, Jim. We're not going to know who actually won this thing possibly for weeks and at least a week, uh, partly due to ranked choice voting and partly just due to the fact that the New York (laughs) election system, I think, stinks. This is also from the Associated Press. Uh, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams appeared to take a fragile lead, but it could be weeks before it becomes clear who is actually on top in the first citywide election to use ranked choice voting. As ballot counting began Tuesday, a plurality of Democrats ranked Adams as their first choice in the race. It was tough to tell, though, whether that lead would hold. As many as 207,500 absentee ballots remain to be counted. Voters' full rankings of the candidates have yet to be taken into account, and it could be July before a winner emerges in the Democratic contest. So... Jim, I am not a big fan. In fact, I, I, I hate ranked choice voting because I think one person should get one vote. I understand that it gives maybe some folks who adhere to minor parties a, a bigger say in who ultimately is the nominee. And it may help some nominees in, or, or some parties in primaries uh, avoid the crazy uh, person becoming the nominee. But ultimately, you end up uh, getting multiple choices here when you should only have one. And then it leads to situations like this, where the longer the vote count goes on, the more people get annoyed. And some people might wonder how up and up the system is. Greg, I know it seems complicated, but my understanding is that the ranked choice system in New York City operates kind of like the the format of the basketball postseason. (laughs) Now, for those of you who've forgotten that brilliant, with last night's victory over Boston, next week the Milwaukee Beers must beat Indianapolis in order to advance to Charlotte. 
That would reduce their magic number to three. And then the Beers could advance to the National Eastern Division North to play Tampa. So if the Beers beat Detroit and Denver beats Atlanta in the American Southwestern Division East Northern, then Milwaukee will go on to the Denslow Cup unless Baltimore can upset Buffalo and Charlotte ties Toronto because then Oakland would play LA and Pittsburgh would be in a blind choice round robin. And if no clear winner emerges from all of this, a two-man sack race would be held on consecutive Sundays until a champion can be crowned. <laughs> yes, I read that. I did not have it memorized. So, but on that last item about a two-man sack race, that sounds pretty appealing right now compared to the long wait that we're going to have in New York. Um, look, I, I understand people's frustration with uh, the, the existing traditional system of options in a primary or a general election. They're like, oh, I don't like any of these guys. Or, well, I... I, I, you know, some, well, there's one I prefer, but there's a couple I think are pretty good. And there's one I definitely don't want to win. And, and you know, is there some way for me to be, all ranked choice pro does is it trades one problem for another set of problems. Any system of settling an election is going to have some problems. The question is, what problem do you want to have? Now, it's not the, oh, but we should point out, ranked choice isn't the only reason this is going to take so long, but it is a, a complication to it. Because now all of a sudden it's not just who did you vote for, it's who did you rank second, who did you rank third, who who's ranked last and all that kind of stuff. And it is, um, it, it adds a whole other factor into this. I, I know in theory you're trying to get people to a broad, to appeal to a broader, you know, a uh, section of the, of the electorate. I'm not, um, Actually, I, I don't really see what was all that wrong with the other one. I think this is, you know, adding, making it way too complicated. Um, the New Yorkers, you know, at least it sounds like there wasn't an enormous amount of confusion at the polls yesterday. But the idea you have a primary, look, we've seen, you know, we remember Florida, right? Really unusual circumstances. We remember the Franken Senate race in Minnesota. Very, again, very unusual circumstances. But unless it comes down to like a three-figure, you know, digit, a three-digit, you know, difference between the two candidates, you'd like to have a sense of, okay, this guy came in first, this guy came in second, this guy came in third. Within a day, within two days, you know, what, the idea that it could take weeks, it's kind of ridiculous. And the idea, the great irony, of course, is the Democratic Party is the one that's telling us that there's a crisis in democracy, right? That our, our sacred right to vote is at risk. And at the same time, the same party that, oh, by the way, couldn't tell you who won the Iowa caucus on the night of the caucus. <laughs> Uh, uh, last year, year, now all of a sudden they're saying, well, look, we have this much better system of figuring out who, who the nominee should be, but it may take several weeks to tell you who won after you finish voting. It's like you, you order something from Amazon and it gets delayed and it comes back weeks later and you forgot why you ordered it. <laughs> yes, you would think uh, in this day and age that we could uh, pretty much process election results uh, within a day at least. But I like your idea maybe of a sack race between the Iowa caucuses and, and, and New York votes. Because remember, they had that congressional primary last year that took weeks and weeks and weeks. And finally, I think it was Maloney that uh, ended up emerging. But I mean, this really shouldn't take longer than 24 hours. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, my takeaway or my... my uh, my final question to you on this, Jim, you have said uh, in the past that uh, people who vote for candidates like, oh, say, John Edwards ought to take off the next cycle and uh, spend some time thinking about what you did. What about people who not only voted to elect but reelect Bill de Blasio? Greg, a couple of years ago, Megan McArdle wrote this kind of interesting book. It was about the, the kind of the consequences of failure. Right. And the idea that American culture was actually getting um too too uh too harsh on people who fail 
that in fact, you know, failing and bouncing back from failure is part of the American story. It's always part of our Horatio Alger. The idea that you can constantly reinvent yourself in America, right? That your failure is not, and the idea that like, in this era of social media, your most embarrassing moment is up there on YouTube and, and mirrored on a whole bunch of sites and it'll always be there. And we don't allow people to evolve past that, right? Um, sometimes on this podcast, we'll talk about, we'll, we'll, you know, chuckle sometimes in mirth and sometimes in regret that Bob McDonald ended up being a really embarrassing governor because he took gifts and felt like that was perfectly okay and got into this very weird relationship with a supplement maker and, and all kinds of stuff like that. I like Bob McDonald uh, up until then. I you know thought he was a terrific governor up until then, but you know, there are certain lines you just can't cross and there was just this sordid relationship between him and his wife and this, this guy heading this company and all that kind of stuff. It'd be a better country if we could say, you know, I shouldn't have voted for that guy or we shouldn't have nominated that guy. That was a bad choice. We, we shouldn't do that. You know? uh, I think John Edwards ranks really high up there. And I think uh, it'd be nice to say if New Yorkers could do it based on this profile in Politico that was written yesterday where they followed uh, Bill de Blasio as he walked through Central Park. And apparently everywhere he goes, people yell at him that he sucks. <laughs> And why, when will he leave the mayoral ship and all that kind of stuff? It was, it was kind of, it did your, I don't know about you, it did your heart warm. Uh, and then the observation <laughs> that, you know, he said, you know, they hate me because I go on walks. No, Mr. Mayor, that's not why they hate you. And the fact that you think that's the reason is a brilliant illustration of why you cannot even begin to conceive the failures of your time as mayor. So I, look, yeah, he ranks among the all time worst. Um, makes David Dinkins look like Winston Churchill and uh, good riddance to him. Uh, whoever comes next should, you know, can and should be better. And maybe uh, based on what we've got so far, it looks like Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough president and former policeman might be the guy who looks like he's currently the, the guy who seems to be leading the vote right now. Um, he certainly is not an abolish the police kind of guy. And maybe he can start steering things in the better direction. The editors looking at the a field of not particularly appealing candidates saw him as perhaps the least bad. So um, good luck, Eric Adams. Well, you can put that on a bumper sticker. Eric Adams, he's the least bad. But I, I like the story of, um, of of the folks yelling at de Blasio in the park. Not only are they right, but it means that New York is coming back. So, I mean, that's... Yeah, per- there are people in the park again. Which, you know, <laughs> Unlike, say, Times Square at New Year's Eve, where it was just de Blasio and his wife dancing alone. <laughs> that's right. And there's a long, long tradition in New York of political figures getting booed. So, uh, oh, man. Can't uh, can't leave soon enough, but uh, it'll be the end of the year. They do the switch of mayor right at midnight on uh, on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. So uh, buckle up, New York. You still got half a year left with this guy. Anyway, we'll find out sometime next month who actually won this nomination. Jim, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Tell your friends about us as well. We are very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. You can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast and follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday and please join us on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.